Well, I'm excited to be over here tonight. Been over there the last 10 years. <laughs> no, I am. I'm extremely excited to be over here. It's a different crowd. Um, I'm, I'm praying that in this, this service, that when I hear talking, it's amens and not, hey, did you hear what happened at school the other day? Because that's usually what happens over there. <laughs> and you know what? When I'm preaching over there and I hear that, I go, amen, people shout me down. Come on. Find out later they're just talking to their neighbor. But <laughs> that's all good. Um, preaching off of uh, the computer tonight, Eli asked me, he said, do you want to print it out? I said, no, I feel like I got more content when I scroll, so... I'm going to just go ahead and get into this. Um, But before I do, um, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm Austin Kane. Been uh, at this church for um, 10, was I, my mom's back there, so I'm going to refer to her for my history lessons. 10 years? Was I 11? I was 11 when I first came here. Um, I remember the very first service, this is is unbelievable, very first service, um, Pastor Rocky Walker, you guys know who that is? He was here preaching, and as far as I was concerned, that was the senior pastor of the church. It was the first guy I saw when I walked in the door. But very first time I came to church at 11 years old, I answered an altar call, mostly because my mom left me alone in the seat, and I, was, I don't want to be by myself, so I went with her. And uh, God just totally rocked me. It was right here. Um, I, I remember it vividly because not only was it a moment with God, but when I was standing over here, not only did I meet God personally for the first time, but I was also filled with the Holy Ghost the very first time I stepped foot in church. Amen. And yeah, that's, that's what I look back now and I realize that's God saying, you know, I'm going to use, I'm going to use you. And, and, uh, I've been told that throughout the years and I never really thought it was true, but, uh, now I'm walking in the call of God and I couldn't be happier. Um, what I also remember about that day was by the time I, God was done with me and I was, I was standing up there and I, had my arms raised, and, and the moment that I opened my eyes, I was by myself, and service was continued. So I'm like, I went with my mom to avoid the awkwardness of being by myself. Now I'm in front of the whole church awkwardly by myself. And so, that, yeah, that was, I was like, I couldn't get back to my seat faster. But no, God totally, uh, God totally um, just rocked my world that day. I don't remember the exact date, but I remember that uh, that's the moment that the Lord really grabbed a hold of my life. Um, since then, I have, I've stayed in this church. There was, a, there was a time where I left. Um, I went to go live with my dad a couple of the, my high school years, um, and that was in Sacramento. And just something, something about, um, I felt the Lord speak this to me, is that when a seed is planted, uh, if you begin to neglect it, the Spirit is not afraid to tell you that you're neglecting that seed. And uh, so what, would, what happened was um, my life was great externally, living with my dad. And, and home life wasn't bad, you know. It was just that one thing was missing. And I knew um, the way to get it back was to come back to my home church. And, and so through a series of events, I ended up back here. And uh, I've just grown in my relationship with God immensely. Um, I ended up leaving public school, finished off my high school years in homeschool and uh, home study program. I went on immediately after to take the school of ministry here. Um, Eli Brazel, he took it with me and a few others graduated. And, and I think 2015 was the graduating year of, of my class. And um, doing that was amazing. I got to know a lot of the, a lot of the people in this room right now taught me in that. Raise your hand if you taught me in school of ministry, taught my class. Yeah. A lot of the most powerful people in this room, yeah. Matt, I'm not sure, but I know he's a teacher now. Um, but yeah, so I've just continued to say yes to God, and it hasn't been easy. It's actually been extremely hard, amen? But you just got to keep doing it anyways. And, and uh, just through saying yes to God over and over again, I've seen him do incredibly more in my life than I would have ever seen had I just stayed to my own path. And uh, I praise the Lord every day that I have come to that realization because I grew up in a home where, you know, success is what you need to strive for, uh, money. And uh, it's not that it was like a greed. It was just like that's the way of life. That's the way I was raised. And I was right. I need to go to college. I need to make a lot of money. And uh, God said, I got something different for you. Don't worry about the money. It's going to be taken care of. But I got something different for you. And so that's when I just began to say yes to God. Now, the last few days up until this message, 
Um, I had a lot of my message prepared, and then the last three days, I've been extremely, extremely sick. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, right now is the time? Can we put it on hold? I don't mind being sick, like, the day after, but can I be healthy for the, the three days up until? And, and I don't, you know, I don't believe, you know, God strikes you with sickness, but I do believe when you are sick, he says, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to accept defeat, or are you going to say, no, my God's bigger than this sickness? And so I just, I really was contemplating the last few days, like, do I tell pastor, and like, and I can't make it, I'm so sick, or do, or do I tell God, hey, my pastor, my authority assigned me to this night to bring a word to his church. God, what do I do? And God says, you bring a word to the church. <laughs> and so I just, I just kept in preparation. And, you know, I feel like God gave me a word on the way here. It's a little bit separate from the message. But I feel like, because I was on my way here, I said, God, if I'm being honest, I feel unprepared. <laughs> and just based on paper. And God doesn't care about your paper preparation. He cares about your heart preparation. And God, I felt the Lord say to me, the preparation is in place. What I need is a yes. And I feel like that's maybe a message that he wanted me to share with everybody that, you know, sometimes we're called on by God and he says, you know, I need you to do this. I have an assignment for you. And you say, hold on, I got to prepare. But God's saying, you've prepared. You're ready. I'm calling on you. Now's the time. I don't believe God's going to call on you if you're not prepared. And so I believe God wants us to stop using the excuse of let me prepare. <laughs> let me let me over prepare. When God just says, say yes, it's not your own preparation. It's my preparation going through you. And so that's a word I felt like I couldn't go tonight without sharing. Um, so yeah, I've struggled the last few days up until today, but I have victory in Jesus' name and I'm healed. And uh, so I got a little bit of a word for you guys tonight. Um, like I said, there's not a lot in paper, but this is a message. This is a word I feel God put directly on my heart. Um, I got three points tonight. And the first one is how big God is. I believe that, that the church today needs to really Try your best, because you'll probably never fully grab how big God is, but I believe the church today needs to really strive to understand the magnitude of the God that we serve. Uh, so many times we keep him in a box, and we don't let him out, and we, we think, you know, we'll let God handle the easy stuff, but when it comes to the hard stuff, we shelf God and say, all right, I'll get back to that in a minute. i got to handle my life, when it's the exact opposite. God is there for the hard times. The hardest time for you to turn to God is the time you need to turn to God. And uh, we serve a big God, and I want to, there's a couple verses that prove that. Well, the whole Bible proves that, but uh, the first one I came across, literally the first one you come across if you open your Bible, Genesis 1 and verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. What have you created? <laughs> Not anything compared to that. I love, I love woodworking. I don't do it as much as I would like to, but I love to work with wood and make stuff. Um, I made a table for my grandma, and my mother was the last thing I made. And, but I loved, I loved working with my hands and making stuff. And, but what I felt like God was saying was like, when I read that verse, I think, okay, God created the heavens and the earth. I say, okay, what have I created? And I'm like, it doesn't matter what I've created. It doesn't come close to creating the heavens and the earth. And, uh, and I just believe, you know, God is much bigger than the world and the box we put him in day to day. Sometimes we can sit back and meditate on how big God is, but it's how big is God in your day to day. And uh, it's easy to see how big God is in church. It's hard to see how big God is when, you know, customers at work are yelling at you or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I mean, my woodworking projects got nothing on God. Skyscrapers, you know, they're amazing. They got nothing on, on the creations God has done. Uh, another verse is Nehemiah 9 and verse 8. And it says, you have performed your words, for you are righteous. He follows through. Not only is he a big God, but he follows through. He has performed his words, for he is righteous. Everything that the Lord will speak to you, he will perform if you let him. Everything that the Lord speaks into the earth has happened. Think about in Genesis. He spoke the world into existence. Everything he speaks, he will follow through with. Now, if he gives a word to you, if he speaks a word to you, it's up to you to allow him to follow through through you. I'm a big believer that regardless, he's going to get the job done. But don't you want to be the one he gets the job done through? That's the way I see it. So I got another verse. Um, John 16 and verse 33. And that says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. 
what an accomplishment that is. <laughs> Let's think back to ourselves once again. What have you accomplished? <laughs> you know, not the world, that's for sure. Um, and uh, that's just another one of those verses. These are, I'm just throwing out a few that can maybe shape how big God is tonight. So there's a few verses in the Bible, like I said, the whole thing, but there's a few that really made, like, wow, really? You overcome the world? Like, I don't even know what that means, <laughs> to overcome the whole world. <laughs> what it means is that he's had victory over death itself, and that's the worst thing that can happen in the world is death, and he's overcome that. Isaiah 40 and verse 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the heavens and of the earth, Neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He doesn't faint and he doesn't weary. Flesh faints and flesh becomes weary. But the God we serve does not faint and does not grow weary. And the way I see it, and I'm going to get to it later on in this scripture, is that I'm going to start talking about, I think it's point two, is God living in us. But when God lives in you, you don't have to succumb to the truths about your flesh. You don't have to let your flesh win. You know, in sickness, you don't have to let your flesh win. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's a bondage. Whatever it is, you don't have to let your flesh win. Because if God has overcome the world, and God is that same God as the God that's in you, then how much can you overcome? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves, especially in times of trouble. Do you realize that the God that we believe in today is the same God that Peter, Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and all the other great men and women of the Bible believed in? We read the Word of God and we think it's so far in the past and, you know, wow, those were amazing stories. Those miracles, wow, those are incredible. But we leave it in the past a lot of the times. We don't, we don't grasp it and say, what he did in them, he can do in us. Jesus said to his disciples, you will do greater things than these. And I think so many times we forget that. We think, okay, Jesus said you can do greater things than these. After Jesus dies in the Bible and he rises again and he ascends to heaven, yes, they did great, they did great things after that. But we even leave it there. We need to bring it up. We need to carry the legacy. If they were to rewrite the Bible today, wouldn't you want your story to be in it? Amen? And it's the same God. And even so many times we, we don't realize that the same God, that our pastor, maybe, he, you know, our pastor is incredible, he is an incredible man of God. Amen? And, man, we need to be thanking God for him every day. But the righteousness that's in him comes from the same God that we serve. And we may put, you know, our pastor on a pedestal as we should, but we also need to realize that the same God that he serves, he, the same way that God gives our pastor a word, he can give us a word. The same way that he works through our pastor to save people on the streets, to do evangelism, is the same God that can do the same thing inside each and every one of us. And, uh, it, he, you know, the righteous men of the world, you know, the Grahams, you know, father and son, Billy Graham, they're, they're not on a different level than us is the way we need to see it. All of the men in the Bible, they weren't at a different qualification level than us. They didn't get to access more of God than we do. We get to access the exact same amount as they did. And so we get to do the exact same things and greater than they did. Um, I'm winded today. Um, John 6 and verse 35 says, And he said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I wrote down a couple notes in here. God is bigger. Let's talk about that for a second. God is bigger than your sin. God is bigger than your bondage and your chains that you feel like you just can't get free of. God is bigger than your circumstances today. So many times, like I said, in our circumstances is the time that we shelf God and it's the exact opposite. God is bigger than whatever it is that you're going through today or that you're going to go through tomorrow. God is bigger than your circumstances. How many know that the testimony I gave about me being sick uh, this, all of this correlates to it. I was telling Chris before service that this whole message tonight is something that I really had to begin to tell myself. I'm preparing it, but am I telling it to myself? You know, is God bigger than my sickness? And I had to begin to declare, I literally preached my message to me <laughs> before coming here. <laughs> God is bigger than your struggles. He's bigger than your sicknesses, as I said. We need to declare these truths over our lives each and every time we are faced with adversity. The same God who created the heavens and the earth is on our team, and he lives in us. Which takes me to point number two, which is allowing God to live in you, as I spoke about previously. Matthew 27, 
in verse 51 says, Then behold, this, is, this verse right here, a lot of you already know what it is. This verse right here is, is the reason that we get to access God. This is the reason that I can wake up in the morning and go to bed at night having full conversation with the creator of the universe is because of this right here. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Because of Jesus' death, we now have full access. and We have an all-access pass that we can wear at all times to the creator of the heavens and the earth. Is that not amazing? Does that not fire you up tonight? We have an all-access pass to the same God that Jesus served. We have all access to him. As long as I'm looking at Sean in the back. Everybody take a look at, look at, look at, take a look at Pastor Sean tonight. Amen. It's nerd night across the street. <laughs> he's coming over to check on me. That man right there, though, uh, while he's here, he doesn't have to stay. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm leaving for this. No, but that, that's the man who, who single-handedly discipled me through these past 10 years is Pastor Sean. And he's the way he is because of Pastor Don. And I just believe, you know, it's a trickle-down effect. If he's going to disciple his son to disciple others, and if he discipled me, what's my job? Just to bask in this discipleship? Like, yeah, I got this treatment. Yeah, I, I got like a one-on-one -on -one thing for a few years. I'm set. It, that'd be selfish of me to keep it to myself. So I believe in the trickle-down effect. Years ago, pastor prayed a message. I'm totally getting off this. But he preached a message where he had uh, a bunch of $1 bills. Do you guys remember this? Or, yeah, and then he called people up that he knew brought some people into church. And he said, because I gave this dollar to her, she gave this dollar. And then there's just a line of people that have come to this church because of each and every one of us. And yeah, so that was just a side note, Pastor Sean. Um, it really is, though. Like, I am the fruit of this church. I'm the fruit of the school of ministry. I'm the fruit of uh, the internship program. A lot of people don't even know we have one of those. We do. And, uh, I, and I'm the fruit of it. Eli Brazel, he's the fruit of it. Um, we're just... And my wife, she's the fruit of it. By the way, by the way, yeah, I met my wife in this church. She's the, the worship leader across the street for the youth group. Uh, I met my wife in this church um, at a Christmas party five years ago. Six, yeah, five years ago at a Christmas party over there. Uh, she chose to sit at her table because um, she was pretty. But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, God has just blessed our lives incredibly. We have two beautiful daughters. They're twins, Kendall and Emily. They're in there. So if you hear crying or you hear the number, it was a two, 211. Or if you see that number up on the screen, just point at my wife. She'll go get them. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so the, the Lord has just led us in this church. It's an amazing church. It really is. I, I owe so much to this church. You know, it's God, but it's it's the obedience of his people that get us all here. It's the obedience of Pastor Don to say, I'm going to open up a church in Diamond Springs and a warehouse. <laughs> but, you know, what? I'm going I'm to reach people. And so, anyways, I thank God for my wife each and every day, my family that he's, that he's given me. Uh, where was I? I got so sidetracked. Um, oh, yeah. I was talking about the veil being torn. I say that like it's a small thing. <laughs> I was talking about the veil being torn. And uh, yeah, that's our, that's our all-access pass. Jesus said, here's another, here's another key part to having a relationship with God, is Jesus, he was speaking to his disciples here in John 14. Um, this was the Last Supper. This is when he's meeting with his disciples to tell them, hey, am I going to be around much longer? <laughs> but you know what? It, be encouraged because I leave a helper I leave the Holy Spirit that you can have inside of you and that that's going to be the same spirit that I've shown on this earth and lived for 33 years is the same spirit that's going to be in you the moment that I leave. And that verse, it specifically says, I'll read it for you. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. This is Jesus to his disciples. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Praise the Lord for that truth right there. Amen? He will bring remembrance all things that Jesus said to his disciples. He will bring remembrance of those things. And thank God that when he speaks something into your heart, it's not easy to forget. 
Even if you want to forget it, it's not easy to forget. Sometimes it's a convicting truth that God will give us, and we want to be like, that's not God, that's not God. And he's like, that's God, that's me. I'm speaking to you right now. <laughs> you can't ignore me. Uh, you can push him aside and harden your heart, but like I said in the beginning, when a seed is planted in you, the Holy Spirit has a funny way of reminding you of that seed and saying, hey, you got to water this. You got to water this. Seeds, I don't believe that seeds are like the normal seeds. Like, I don't believe that they would fizzle away if they're not watered. I believe that they sit there and they kind of bump in the ground like, hey, water me, water me, water me, especially if it's imparted by the Lord. He's saying, water it, water it, water it, and it's going to flourish. Acts 1 in verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. My last point tonight, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm going to talk about it for a minute, is, is realizing your power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Here in this church, we are big believers of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We believe in the move of God, and we believe that, that God will do amazing things the moment that you receive the Holy Spirit into your life. That's where the power comes from. How dull would the preaching be? How dull would the messages be if our pastor didn't allow the Holy Spirit into his life each and every day? Amen? It's the Holy Spirit living in him that speaks so thoroughly to our spirits and to our souls. It's because the Holy Spirit is in him that when he preaches a message, you think to yourself, wow, I'm pretty sure that was only for me. You look around in church like, why are you all here? This was obviously just for me. And that's because our pastor allows the Holy Spirit to live in him. And it just speaks and aligns perfectly into ours because when God has something to speak to you, he will do it. We must allow this Holy Spirit to live in our lives each and every single day. As a church, like I said, we believe in it. And we believe that it's the power of God in us each and every day. And when that Holy Spirit comes upon you, you know, yes, there's signs and wonders. But what the Holy Spirit for me I've, I've done all the Holy Spirit stuff in church, and I love it. I, it juices me up. I, st- I preached in the youth uh, a couple weeks ago, and I almost named the message, Come On, because when I feel the Holy Spirit, I go, Come On. And, but the reason I did it is because it gets on my wife's nerves. I'm always in the car, Come On. She's like, Come On? Like, that's like, no, you don't have the right voice for that. That's what she told me. <laughs> I don't have the right voice for that. But... I do. I just I say, come on, because I'm, I'm telling God, come on, bring it. It happens in a song. The Lord will speak to me, or it happens, you know, I'll be reading the Word of God, and I'm just to myself in the morning, come on, that was good. During these songs before service, man, that, those songs are incredible. Who wrote those songs? Is that person in this church? You guys did? Well, whoever, did you write it? He the first, okay, the first one, the second one, third one, fourth one. Each and every one of those songs tonight, I was sitting over there like, they're singing my message tonight. They're singing what God put on my heart tonight. It's funny how he does that. Andy, did we meet up before service and say, hey, I need you to do these songs? Did we meet up before service and say, no, but God had something to speak to his people tonight. And so he did it from the beginning and to the end. And, and there's another example how the Holy Spirit works in us. <laughs> and it, you don't even realize it a lot of times, but it's working. The Holy Spirit will lead you. It will guide you, teach you, convict you, and give you wisdom in times of need. That right there, that truth was for me. This preparation for this tonight was my time of need. It was the time I needed to call on the Holy Spirit when I didn't feel like it. When what I wanted to do was get off work after being sick all day, go home, and just go to sleep and just be a mummy and <laughs> just soak in my sickness. Well, uh, partially true <laughs> that happened, but, man, I just had to really call on the Holy Spirit. I said, God, I'm not going to let this beat me down. You're bigger than my sickness. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. God, Holy Spirit, come into me because you didn't plan this night for deaf ears, Father. You planned this night for people to receive a word from you, Father God. And so I just had to allow that Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me. And like I said, that was so for me. And part of, part of allowing God to live in your life is that if you truly are, if you truly allow God to live inside of you, you truly ask the Holy Spirit to come into you each and every day, you'll realize that you're so close to God that when people bump into you, they bump into him. And that is a word that God gave me as well because that is a truth that I want to identify with. 
I want to be that guy on the street. You know, there's people in this room all over that are those men to me that when I'm around them, I just feel like, God, they, are you like in them? If I touch them, am I going to touch you, God? I want to, I want to be that man. And when you're, when you're so close to God, you, you're, you are that way. Whether you mean to be or not, you walk around with a light, whether you don't want to be. You know what I noticed is that when you are in Christ, you really can't be shy. <laughs> you really can't be because when you're so close to God, he calls on you so much and so often that, and if you're really close to God, you're going to say yes. And a lot of times it's like, that, you want me to talk to that person? Don't even know who they are. They got tattoos all over their face. Very unappealing for me to come and approach this person. I wouldn't normally talk to them. Nothing against, no, nothing against a certain people group, but you know what I'm saying. So many times God will call on us to talk to a people group we're not familiar with. And, uh, and that's when you say, yes, God, and you just go and do it anyways. And, uh, and like I said, if the Holy Spirit's in you, he's going to work through you in that so we want to be so close to God that when people bump into us, they bump into him. My third point is, is walking in victory. It is walking in victory and, and allowing God to be that victory in your life. When Jesus died, he didn't just die. He rose again, giving us victory over each and every circumstance in our lives. And that victory is for us to claim. That he's given that victory to us for each and every circumstance in our lives. That's not for him to keep and take to heaven, saying, I defeated death, hell, and the grave. That was me. Jesus isn't walking around heaven saying, I, def- I have the victory. I hold it. No, he's saying, I have the victory, but so do the people of God. I have the victory, but so do my children, so do my people. And we got to identify with that. I was told I have until about uh, 8.30, Tonight, I actually got a whole half hour variety there. So I was like, okay, when do I stop? But that's good because I got a lot to talk about tonight. The people of God, here's, here's a word uh, that I needed to hear bad. Like I said, I'm going to be saying that the whole service I already have been, is that this whole message was definitely for me. Um, I just hope somebody in this room can receive it tonight. But this, this truth here was like, wow. I've so been the opposite of that. And that is that the people of God need to stop being sponges of defeat and start being stones of victory. That we need to stop just absorbing defeat into our lives because that is toxic. That is horrible. That turns you into a person that you don't want to be. Each and every one of us wants to live and walk in victory each and every day. Am I right? Is there anybody in this room that would enjoy walking in defeat? No. Absolutely not. Nobody likes defeat. But if we are stones of victory, and what I mean by that is that we are so solid in Christ that when defeat is thrown at us, it's a rock. Like Jesus said, he who's without sin casts the first stone, and we can use that analogy. When those stones are being thrown at us, if we are a stone of victory, they're just going to pop right off us, and we're not even going to know about it. What happens when you throw a pebble at a boulder? The boulder doesn't even know it happened, and that's how we need to be in Christ. And instead of being sponges who just absorb and accept defeat all the time because that's life. Well, I don't believe God knows that sentence, that's life. I believe he knows that's victory. That's an opportunity for you to claim victory. That's an opportunity for you to ask the Holy Spirit to come into you and to defend you. He didn't give us the full armor of God for us to draw pictures of it in Sunday school alone. He didn't give us the full armor of God for us to you know, to just talk about. He gave us the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. We cover our feet in the gospel of peace. We take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Therefore, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Amen. He gave us an armor to wear. He doesn't just say, go into battle and good luck. He doesn't do that to you. And so many times we feel that way. Like, God, you really want me to take this step? But but put your armor on and you'll be good to go. If you're rolling around in a tank, you're going to be just fine. (laughs) Amen? And that's exactly what the full armor of God is. It's a tank. We are able to hop in that tank, put on that armor, and whatever he calls us to, whether it's called to evangelize or whether it's being in the middle of a storm that life has thrown at you. With the lyrics to that song, it said, though the waves, was it, I'm brave, though the waves are coming at me. Was it the second song, maybe? One of the songs, and it just really spoke to me, was that it was talking about, you're, I'm, I'm tall, I stand tall and brave when the waves come at me. 
And you don't stand tall and brave in your flesh. You stand tall and brave in the spirit with that full armor of God on you. Amen? Amen. And tonight, I just want to encourage you guys in that. Every single one of God's promises ends in victory. Every single one of them. And it may not seem like it in the beginning, but every time God puts a promise in your heart, it's going to end in victory if you obey it. And if you're walking in the promise, you're walking in victory. Amen? I believe God wants you to hear that tonight, that so many times we hear a promise, or we hear, you know, God speaking to us. Sometimes it's through prophetic word from somebody else. Sometimes it's imparted in us, but we get a promise from God. Maybe it's something about your family. We have all of these cards on the wall. Maybe it was a marriage, and you felt God promised that, you know, your marriage is going to be healed. Or maybe your parents' marriage or your, your friends' family's marriages are going to be healed. Maybe it was that you're going to be healed, or maybe you know, somebody you know is going to be healed. That's a promise that God's given you. And you can say, no, that wasn't God. That's hopeful thinking. Or you can say, that sounds like the God I serve. The God I serve is not going to let this happen, but the God I serve is telling me that I'm going to be healed. It's telling me that my marriage is going to be healed. It's telling me that I can break the generational curse of divorce, that I can break the generational curse of illness, that I can start a new trend in my generation and a new trend in my family and my descendants to come of salvation. That's going to be the mark of my generation. My last name is going to carry on the word salvation, not the word defeat. My last name is going to carry on the word of provision, that they, that they look at this family of people that came from nothing and now there's something. They wonder why. Well, it's because of God. And my family's going to carry on the salvation of Jesus Christ. The salvation of Jesus Christ is what's going to mark my family. Doesn't matter what my parents did. Doesn't matter what my grandparents did or my great, great, great grandparents did. God allows us to break chains and generational curses in our lives in order to start on a new foundation. The Bible talks about the foundation. It talks about Are you planted in a solid ground where the roots can't get deep? Or are you planted in in healthy soil? Well, you know what? We have the capability as believers to uproot our foundation, replant it in the Word of God and in truth, and then live a life flourishing in Jesus Christ and the promise that God has for our lives. Amen? See, you guys are way totally interacting with me, and I love it. How weird would it be if I was up here yelling at you and you weren't saying anything back to me? (laughs) Psalm 16 and verse 8, it says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I have set the Lord always before me, not sometimes before me, not when it's easy before me, but always before me for he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Not only is that foundation healthy, but it's strong as an oak. It's not a weak and brittle tree that you're planting in Christ. He doesn't, I don't even think that the Lord knows what the word weak and brittle means. He knows strong and he knows victorious. You think about the biggest oak tree. Well, that's the one that God wants you to be planted in. Not the little weeds over here that the devil's trying to tempt you with. A few weeks ago, actually a few months ago now, I felt a word that was given to me as I was driving to work. And I looked over to this field that's normally weeds, just weeds and weeds. Maybe you guys are familiar with it. If you're headed, if you're headed on uh, Pleasant Valley Road, do you know where PJ's is? Or the Y right there? Okay, do you know that El Dorado Cafe, I believe it's called? Okay, so right before that El Dorado Cafe, there's a big field. There's a house that people own this field. Well, it's all weeds. And maybe you drive that way home. I want you to look at it on the way home. But it's usually all weeds, but there's this green oak tree. And what I felt the Lord speak to me was this was a frosty morning, very chilly, very cold out. Well, all of the weeds that I saw were now beautiful because of the white frost that was over them. And now what I felt like God was speaking to me at that time, that the only place that the weeds weren't in existence was underneath that tree because that tree had all the frost on top of it. Now in, this, now, in this word that God gave me, I was, okay, what direction do you want me to go with this? Lord, I'm getting this, but God keeps speaking to me. And I felt like what he was saying was that what the enemy does is, is he, he coats with beauty the sin and death. That's what he does. And to me, that look, it looked beautiful, like a beautiful white pasture. But really, if you begin to walk out into it, it's just filthy. It's, it's got weeds and, and just dead grass. But what I felt the Lord saying was that 
that oak tree, which contained healthy grass, that oak tree represents God. And what he does is if you plant yourself in God and under him, he will cover you as an oak tree. Now, on top of that oak tree was the pain, was the death, was the frost. But he took that for us. And so now we can live under that and flourish in this healthy grass. And that, oh, man, that really spoke to me in that time, too, because that's what the enemy does. He dresses up sin in beauty and says, come try this out. He dresses up sin in a fine taste and says, come try this out. He dresses up sin in a good feeling and says, this will feel good if you come try it. But you put these outfits on and you put these things on that sin, these are the outfits that sin wears, you know, beauty, um, feelings. He wears those outfits and tastes. He wears these outfits. But the moment you put those outfits on, you begin to rock them and you begin to think, yeah, this is great. This is a lot of fun. This tastes good, feels good, looks good. But what you don't realize is the moment you take that outfit off, a deadly rash lies underneath it. And that is what sin does to us is it, it, it tries to, you know, it casts its line into us and says, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be the greatest time of your life. This is what, Austin, you know what, if you, if you would just leave that whole church thing because it's weird and, you know, your friend, you know, your coworkers aren't into it, if you would leave it and you would pursue a degree and you would, and you would pursue success and money and become an entrepreneur, it would be amazing. But thank you, God, that you've shown me the truth. And what God says is if you come with me, block the, just shut the ears out. Have you seen the, the uh, hear no evil, see no evil, or whatever, and speak no evil? I'm like, where are my ears and where are my nose? I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> but if you would do that to sin, but you would just allow that your center focus would be on God, and you would ask God before each and every new opportunity in your life, say, God, is this your will? Is this going to veer me away or take me closer? I don't believe God. I'm a firm believer that God is a God that wants us to be successful, but his version of success is totally different than ours. <laughs> Our version of success, the testimony that Chris gave before service that that's a, that can, you could say that that's a different version of success, right? That your version previously in life was not the same version that God had for you, amen? But the new version is incredibly better in every way, amen? And that's the way, that's the way God is. He says, you, this looks great on earth. And think about it this way. There was a message preached a while back uh, by, I think, Francis Chan, Pastor Francis Chan. And it was, he had a big old rope all coiled up. And he just taped the end of it with this red tape, just about that much, but the rope was extremely long. And what he was saying was, we focus on this little piece of a puzzle, and that little piece is your life. But what you don't realize is that that whole rope is eternity. Look what you, like, where are you focusing right now? We're focusing on the here and now pleasures instead of the there and then victory and eternity with Christ Jesus. Amen. And that's what I, I just want to encourage you guys tonight. My whole point in this service was I just wanted you guys to leave feeling like you, if you didn't already, leaving, feeling encouraged, feeling like you have power to overcome anything that you're facing. I know for me, I face things daily. I work in a, in a secular world. Um, I have a lot of coworkers, very secular. But you know, it's funny, the moment you begin to be the light in the darkness, you realize there's a lot more light than you thought that it sometimes takes you going first for them to go next. Amen? And that's, that's what I learned is I'm, I thought to myself, I'm praying. I've been at this place for three years. And God, just take me somewhere else. Just give me like a full-time church position where I could just be in my church life and just be around saved people at all times. God's like, what good is that going to do me? And he said, no, stay put, shine a light, and watch what I do. And just a little testimony, I work at Red Hawk Casino. And you know what? I, yeah, you're like, oh, you do work at Satan's house. <laughs> it seems like that at times. But lucky for me, I work outside. I get, I'm, a, I'm a lead valet attendant there, so I'm, a, I get, I'm able to work outside and interact with people. I don't have to be inside. It's terrible, and I don't even like to go in there. But or, yeah, it's not even like the dinner day tastes good, but the experience of walking to the dinner is not worth it. <laughs> I'd rather go to Denny's. No, but, but that's because it's better than walking through. Anyways, what I learned in my experience working there in such a rough environment was that God put me there for a reason. He didn't put me there 
so that I could stay there for a season to make some money and then say, all right, there's too many unsaved people here. It's time for me to go, Lord. Take me to my next season. I feel called. No. He said sometimes, sometimes peace and comfort outweighs peace and truth, and we need to, we need to begin to lean in the peace and truth. And, uh, and so God has kept me there, and he's, there's been promotion from me staying there, and I know it's all because of the provision of God, and uh, he's just provided. And not only has there been financial promotion, but through me just being a light, what I used to do, um, now that I'm promoted, I don't really park cars anymore, but when I was, there was a lot of downtime where you just sit and you wait for the next car to pop up on the screen that you run and you grab and you bring it to the guest. There's a lot of downtime. So what did I do? I felt the Lord telling me, bring your Bible. Everyone else is bringing their schoolwork. Why don't you bring your Bible? There's a time where I'm down there reading my Bible, and somebody who's reading Harry Potter says, are you reading the Bible? I says, the only difference between me and you is one's fictional and one's not. Amen? You're over there reading some fake stuff, but I'm over here reading truth. Now, here's where the amazing part happens. My cousin came to work with me, and uh, he, not to work with me, but he came to be a valet attendant with me, and we had the same shift, and I knew that there was a lot in his life that he needed to find Jesus in, so find some peace in, just a lot of family stuff, um, just to give a brief insight. Some of you may have knowledge of it, but my uncle, my mom's brother, he committed suicide, a couple, was it like two years ago now? 2013. That was his dad. And so there's just a lot of pain in his life and our life. And, and uh, I knew there was something, but I just never know how to talk to him about God because we just, I mean, we're so much the same person, but we're so different in the same way. And all it took for me was just reading the Word of God because the moment that I left the Bible, left it open where I was reading, the moment that I left to go get the next car, my cousin was there and he began to read the Word of God. And this is powerful because it taught me a lesson. By the end of that night, through, through him reading the Word of God the rest of the night, through us conversating after work, by the end of the night, my cousin, I was able to pray with my cousin, my best friend, and lead him in the salvation prayer in the parking garage of Red Hawk Casino. Amen. And that's that. what the lesson I learned, amen, the lesson I learned in that was that it's nothing in our own power. What I learned that night was that the Word of God alone is enough to lead people to Christ. And we try to water it down, and we try to make it seem more comfortable for, for the people we're talking to. We try to fake it till we make it. We try to, we try to water it down so that it, it doesn't sting so much when you, get, when you speak it to them. But if you just preach the Word of God alone, our pastor fires me up so much because he's not afraid to read a single word in this thing. And you find so many churches and people and people groups that will take out certain pieces. And you know what? A lot of their churches aren't any bigger than ours. It's not like it's helping them grow. What it's doing is it's robbing people of the ability to learn the whole truth and the whole word of God. And man, that is, is, that, is that story not fire you up to just go like, what I want to do now after reading that is walk through restaurants and leave open Bibles at each and every table <laughs> and say, what, what are you doing at my table? Just read it. Read it. Can we just have a time of reading, please? <laughs> just trust me. It will affect your life incredibly. And uh, that's, just, that's just one of the testimonies that God has used me. And like I said, it's not me, but as I said in the beginning, it's not, God's not looking for your preparation anymore. I believe there is a huge body of Christ that is so prepared to do amazing things for God. What he is looking for is a yes. Is somebody to say, okay, and you know, the way, the way that I heard it recently was, oh man, who was telling me this? Maybe it was, maybe it was Pastor Cole McGowan. Maybe it was. I was working with him for, for a while and I still plan to. I hope he reads his message or hears this and is like, oh, you do want to work with me. Okay. <laughs> Give me some side job. Um, anyways, we just, when you work with him, we had a job in Davis. He does stucco and we had a job in Davis and we just got so fired up talking about God on the way down and on the way back. But what I felt like, I'm pretty sure it was him too, was that when you start to think about the heart of God, it helps you say yes a lot more. And what his point there was God's in heaven and he's, and he's looking at us and saying, so many of you are saying no to me. And he's feeling like, is anybody going to say yes? Or is this a lost world? Is anybody just going to say, all right, God, 
You know what? You've had a line of thousands of people that have said no. And because I love you and because I know what you did for me is greater than any kind of satisfaction I can get out of anybody else in this world, I'm going to say yes to you tonight. I'm going to say yes to you today, Lord. And I'm just going to walk in it and trust in you, God. God, you've given me victory. So if you give me a commandment or a promise, I know the victory lies in that as well. And that is, that is, that's just something you have to live by. You have to say yes to God. He's got a plan. There's something he's trying to do here. He, we're not, we don't just come to church to feel good. We don't just come to church to get fired up and go back home and think about how fired up we are or call our friends that were at church with us and say, man, that was awesome. Let's talk about it for a minute. No, he wants us to call up our friends that weren't at church and say, you got to hear this. Or you got to hear this scripture spoke to me. You, I got to read this to you because this is incredible. And we each, each and every one of us have a part to play in this puzzle. There's not one of us that's exempt. There's not one of us that gets to say, I'm not outgoing enough, God, so I'm just going to keep doing my thing. You can use him. No. If you know me, yeah, I might come off like an extrovert, but man, I was, a, I was pretty shy, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, she says. I don't know about, oh, yeah, but I was, <laughs> I was, yeah she, yeah, she would drag me to come and just say hi to our pastor, but yeah, I was shy, but once I'm comfortable, I was, I was, I was, you know, extroverted. I was outgoing. Now, if you think that it was comfortable for me to come over here tonight, you're wrong. And that's what God does is God says, you know what? I don't really, you know, your comfort, I feel for you, but I don't really care about it as much as I care about you bringing a word to the lost. Amen. And we each and every one of us have, have a plan and a purpose in this mission that God has for us. And each and every one of us has to play that part, really, because we each play an important part. Now, if I'm building a house, okay, maybe what I know how to do is lay foundation. Or maybe what I know how to do is, you know, do the woodworking for this house, right? But maybe that's all I know how to do. And I'm trying to build a house for God, and that's all I know how to do. What do I do? If I don't know how to do electrical, do I try to do it on my own, or do I call on Chris and say, hey, Chris, man of God, I need you to come and help me build the house of God tonight. And I need your skills and your giftings. And when, I'm, when I get to the stucco part, do I say, man, I don't know how to do stucco. Unfortunately, I do now because, man, that's hard. Have you ever done that? I mean, I, he hasn't really thrown me in 100%, but I've gotten a taste of it. And I'm like, whew, Brandon's been thrown in 100%. And I'm sure some others have. But am I going to get to that part if I don't have any knowledge of it and say, I'm just going to wing it? Or am I going to say, I know a man who's gifted in that. Cole McGowan, I need you to come up here and help me build the house of God. Amen? And that's the parts that we play in the body of Christ is, you know, God will give you a promise, but sometimes you need to build a team to accomplish that promise. Sometimes it takes you calling on your brothers and sisters in Christ to help build this. Once this house gets built, it's not often the giftings of men to furnish a house. Amen? Usually that's the women that do that and make it all pretty and get the right curtains and couches and pillows that are unnecessary. And <laughs> it's true. Anybody have pillows on their bed that gets brought off at the end of the, yeah. When you go, like, thank goodness we've kind of done away with that due to our hectic lifestyle. We don't really get it all fancy anymore, but man, we have those pillows. And, but that's a gifting. It is. And if you, if you would jump into the analogy I'm using, it takes each and every one of us to complete this puzzle. Not one of us is equipped to do, to build the house of God and to save the world on our own. That was Jesus. But now he's gone, but luckily his spirit remains and resides in us, and we can build the house of God together. And it just takes saying yes. Like I said, it takes being obedient when it is so hard to be obedient. It takes, it takes saying yes to God because you love God, because God loves you, because God sent his only son. I know some, this, is such a, this is such a known thing that God sent his only son to die on the cross for us, but let's put this into perspective because... If you had one kid, do you think you have the willpower to say, son, I know you want to live your life how you want to, but I'm going to need you to go and be an influence. And then towards, you know, your 30s, I need you to, to die for the world. I don't know. I have my daughters in the other room. I don't know that I have it in me to knowingly send them out to death. But that's the God that we serve 
He sent his only son. He didn't have a bunch of kids. He, didn't, he wasn't cheaper by the dozen and said, dozen, you go. Number 12, I got 11. You're, you, I don't need you as much as, you know, so you can go and it won't hurt as much. No, he had one. He was, he is, Jesus is a single child. He was one, the son of God. And he had to live a life. You don't think he faced the same temptations we did? It says it right in the word of God. He faced everything. The Bible says that he bore all things for us. He, didn't just, he's, he doesn't just relate to us on certain levels, on Christian levels, on being tempted to sin levels. No, he relates to us on all levels. And he, he, he lived a hard life. He was, you know, it doesn't talk a lot about his early years, but the same, the same way a man is brought up today, starts as a boy, gets in his teenage years and all you know, his hormones are going crazy, and he hits puberty, and he, you know, he wants girls, and he wants to have fun. Jesus was human. He was human. The only difference is he said, no, God's got better to each and every one of the things that were thrown at him. He was a stone of victory and not a sponge of defeat, and he said no to each and every one of the devil's tactics. The good part for us, yes, the devil has tactics, but the best part about it is they're not new. They're not new. They're the same. And all you got to do to win in each and every battle in your life, and I'm speaking to myself tonight, is to open the Word of God and read. This is your map. How are you going to get through life without a map? You know, we use a GPS on our phones to get us to the, you know, if we're in a different county or a different town, but we need to open up the Word of God to get us to the different season and to the different victories in our lives. And man, none of this is in here um, because, like I said, it was very minimal in here. <laughs> But I just believe that the Lord had a word tonight to speak to his people. And I pray tonight, it's, it's 830. Um, right on time. Now, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm not called to be a preacher then because I finished on time. <laughs> no, I'm just messing. It's good. It's good. Well, is there a guitar that we can get up here, acoustic? There's a lot of, a lot of uh, musicians in here. I'm not one of them. My sub brother. Thank you. Well, tonight, Chris, would you mind coming up here with me? Uh, tonight, if you feel like uh, any of this, you could dim the house lights. Um, if you feel like maybe this spoke to you, maybe it's not, you know, maybe you're not leaving fired up, but maybe you're leaving almost thinking, man, God, you need, I need to be better about that. I need to be better about walking in victory. Maybe, you, maybe you're leaving here tonight thinking, I know there's going to be some that hopefully leave feeling fired up, feeling like they can conquer the world, because that's the way I felt when God spoke this message to me. But maybe there are a few in this room that need to say, God, I haven't done enough for you out of fear. Or God, maybe I haven't, I haven't allowed victory to identify in my life. I haven't allowed victory, God, to be the, the, the face of my life, but I've allowed defeat to come in. God, far too many times. Maybe you're here tonight and you want to stop living a life of defeat and you want to stop being a sponge of defeat, but you want to be a stone of victory and you want to be able to deflect the enemy's attacks and you want to be able to walk in victory.